Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. All right, welcome back to the Beyond Sunday podcast. We're at it again. Randy, we've got a lot of questions. Good. So I don't have a curveball for you. Just fastballs. All right. Actually, before we get into the real questions, I did have a question come in mm-hmm. um, for for you mm-hmm. about whether or not you would be willing to grow a beard this winter because you referenced that guy's beard in the picture. Yeah. You compliment Rich all the time. So I just can't grow a good one here. And just nothing happens here. Not too bad here, but this part, it's just not a nice beard. It, it doesn't come in full. I don't have the gift. All right. And so if you're listening, he's pointing to his cheeks. Um, and have you ever grown a beard? I've tried like, a few times. You've not, recently here, you've had, you've grown it out. Longer. It's, it wasn't. No, you had it here, on. Yeah, a little bit. A little, not yeah, long. But it never looks good. I think it looks good. No, it doesn't look like riches. So I if think it, it doesn't look good. like riches, I'm not doing does it. Does Michelle like when you grow, grow it she out does on not. the that's, cheeks? That's the biggest reason. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, the best beard growing advice I ever got. So this might be the, this could be the worst. Ticket. This might be the worst wisdom of the episode, <laughs> but it might be the best. Uh, so that you, hairs grow at different paces. So some hair is going to go grow quick. Yeah. And there's other small patchy areas that they yeah. just, they're going to grow out. You just need to give them time. Yeah. Jesus is going to come back before those patches <laughs> grow out. Trust me on that. Oh, goodness. All right. So if you want to grow a beard, don't ask Randy for advice. Not me. Call um, Richard J. Yeah. Give him a call. All right. You ready for the fastballs? All yeah, right. I'm Here we go. So first one is just quickly. Can you give us a summary of the sermon on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Still in this series. Yeah, I was I was reminding myself too uh, this morning that I'm not I'm not talking to a group of people. I'm I'm reminding myself that mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually just focused on on you uh whoever you are watching, listening. So, um I just I'm just mindful of that that I'm dealing with an individual rather than a group rather than the whole faith family. Um so on Sunday from Genesis 1 and 2 and then uh, a little bit into Ephesians 5, uh we talked about uh, humankind being created in the image of God, which means that Mm -hmm. both male and female, the combination of male and female, according to Genesis 1 and 2, both sexes combined uh, function uh, for the image of God. And so we represent God's rule on the earth Mm -hmm. by the way in which we function together as male and female in our society, primarily through marriage, but not only. Uh, There's something about the complementary aspect of the two sexes. Uh, the second part, remember, was just just going to the male and female uh, segments where it's very specific. God created male and female. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to establish um, that that's the reality of the creation story, which we believe and we read. Uh, the other thing is uh, we spent some minutes, of course, analyzing how does a person uh, how does a person know that yeah. male or female? Mm-hmm. And is it? Is it something, uh, I think we gave a couple of angles, is it physiological uh, or is it psychological? And in our day, what we were doing is certainly alerting the faith family, uh, just helping you know, I think what you, what you already know, that in our day and age, the uh, there's a rise in the notion that my sexuality is determined by how I feel about my sexuality and my gender and so forth. So we talked a little bit about that just to prepare you for what's happening in the culture. 
But then uh, finally, uh, the the whole aspect of male and female, uh, uh, men and women in marriage, husbands and wives in marriage in Ephesians 5 goes right to uh, that combination being a picture of Christ and the church. So the relationship that Christ has with his church is somehow this, uh, uh, it's now explained as the mystery uh, that the instructions in Ephesians 5 to husband, to Christian husbands and wives, uh, all the instructions were given, but ultimately that chapter ends by saying, no, this is all, uh, this is a mystery and it has to do with our relationship with, with Christ. So uh, it's pretty important for us to realize that the way in which we function uh, in this world mirrors, represents uh, the gospel. And so to detract from that relationship at all, and especially the uniqueness in which it was built, is to detract from the gospel potentially as sort of a summary of what we Can you we say did. that last sentence again? Uh, if we detract to the degree that we detract from the uniqueness of male and female in the relationship, we are taking away from the picture of the gospel and Christ's love for the church, according to the end of Ephesians. So okay. it's a pretty big deal to uh, yeah. to God. Obviously, as as many, uh, look, many folks at the end of the service said, you know, this is so foundational to everything, and it is. So that's, yeah. a, that's a synopsis. Got you. And Thank then you. all I was trying to do at the end, the very end is saying, look, prepare yourself for conversations, and, and please do mm-hmm. not judge a world that cannot see the story. Uh, just simply extend grace to them and, Hopefully, uh, watch to see if if uh, God is drawing them to Himself, giving them eyes to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, if we're preparing ourselves for conversations, uh, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned that it's going to be difficult, especially in a world that clearly doesn't think the same way that yeah. we do mm-hmm. based on the Bible. Sure. Um, Nor should they. Are there good ways? And this is one of the questions: Are mm-hmm. there good ways or approaches to get into a conversation, or to if the conversation is is brought up to you? Yeah to navigate that. Yeah, that, that, I think the best thing is always, as I said, uh, Michelle and I spent some time with the youth a year or two ago, and I think the best thing is just listen to their story. If, if you could just be gracious, mm-hmm. and uh, rather than be appalled by the sinfulness of humanity, uh, be gracious and just have uh, enough sincerity and love for them and compassion that they'll tell you their story. At least listen to the story. Mm-hmm. You may have an opportunity to tell your story uh, that's the best opening that yeah. I know of is just, could a person just tell you what they're going through? Mm-hmm. You don't know what God could do. Mm-hmm. The worst thing you can do is argue with them about what's true and what's not true. If they don't have ears to hear, remember, you can't reason a person into this. Yeah. According to John six forty four, God must draw them. That's why mm-hmm. that section at the early on was so critical for us, that John yeah. passage. Yeah. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think in a church like ours, historically, we might hesitate from wanting to hear someone's story mm-hmm. or getting too close or thinking that, well, my story, I, I need to hit them with the, yeah. you know, the Romans the road, story, yeah. you know, as opposed to telling my story. But I do think there is a way to tell our story mm-hmm. with the gospel woven into it, you know, how Christ has changed me. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but. I think sometimes to gain an audience, you have to be an audience, you know. That's a great way to put it. I just, I, you know, I uh, could God give you wisdom to know uh, what to say? And as I said to someone a few weeks back, 
as much wisdom as what not to say in a particular conversation. Mm -hmm. um, is there any uh, is there any opening uh, whatsoever? It's right to share Christ. It's I'm going to say it this way: It's right to share Christ. It's wrong to share your morality. Uh, let let the let Christ uh, let the story of Christ redemption let redemption do its work. Then you get to disciple making. Mm -hmm. So my fear is that we attack the morality part, right. which they can't do without Christ. And I think mm -hmm. that's a maybe a good uh, chrono chronological or step by yeah. step. Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. Christ first, morality second. Yeah. Well, and it goes. To, uh, I forget the passage in First or Second Corinthians where Paul says, "Don't don't interact with." The, the believer who's living immorally, but don't you, you can't separate yourself from the world who's acting immorally because yeah. they, they are immoral. They, yeah. They're that's lost. First, that's 1 Corinthians 5 that we yeah. alluded to on Sunday. Yep. Yeah, that in that paragraph is, I'm not asking you to leave the world. I'm not asking you to not interact mm -hmm. with non-Christians because you'd have to leave the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Um, and so if our testimony, uh, I'm trying to get to another mm -hmm. question here. If our testimony, our story is going to show Christ off, show God off. Mm -hmm. um, some ways in maybe which it does that is by the opposites. And so you were talking about, you're referring to the Genesis account mm -hmm. creation and yeah. just seeing the pairs, light and dark, sun and moon, you know, land and sea, those kind of things. And so one of the questions that came in, mm -hmm. um, which isn't necessarily a, okay, let's go and do this question, but it does, I think, affect our mindset, mm -hmm. which, which leads there. Um, here, I'll read it. Mm -hmm. could, could some of the mystery in our relationship with Christ be that we need everything that he has and is, and he wants to have a relationship with humans who need him and accept him, allowing him to make us blameless and spotless? Is that why he created us? Essentially, did he create us so that we could um, complement him? Uh, so that I'll read it here again. Mm -hmm. uh, is that why he created us? So that all that he is could be put into action and on display for the whole universe to see and bear witness to. Like the complement of a man and woman. Mm -hmm. You see, yeah. they work so well together. And mm -hmm. humanity. So this is like a, a thought. Mm -hmm. I really know, appreciate the summary. Question. I think that's a really great summary of, of what's happening. To uh, For the verse 32, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church, this mystery is the mystery of marriage. Mm -hmm. We know that for sure. So the mystery of marriage, where, when a Christian husband and a Christian wife are united as one flesh in a marriage and they function properly, that reordering of society, remember, it's a reversal of the curse. We'll talk about this Sunday. Mm -hmm. It's a reversal of the curse. So I think to just to add to that, I think that's a great summary. And I would say, to the degree that we function as a as a healed pair, uh, the world has an opportunity to see the order of God, especially with respect to uh, uh, authority structure and how it operates. Mm -hmm. And that is the opposite of anarchy, for instance. It's yeah. the opposite of chaos. Mm -hmm. So it is it is the primary vehicle for displaying uh, love. Uh, Right, uh, Christ and the church. How much Christ loves the church, and what does the Christ, uh, what does the church do in return? Mm -hmm. The church also loves Christ in return, but also submits itself totally to Christ as Christ's followers. And you have love and submission in that very last 
mm-hmm. uh, the very last verse. Yeah. The summary, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And in mm-hmm. this context, both of those love and respect, which I think is a book or a video series, a great, yep. a great tool. Probably both. Uh, that's the order that reflects God's kingdom. Okay. Opposite of yeah. Opposite of disorder. Opposite of chaos. And it reflects around love and submission. Um, so, um, if if you're watching this video, you're seeing my reaction. And when I, when I'm sitting down talking with Randy, this is the look that he gets sometimes. It's like that's the look. It's not glazed over. It's no, just like no. What wheels what turning? Ju- what did he just say? Um, so let me try and get on the same page as you. Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, anarchy rule from the bottom up or like no just rule chaos. Or yeah, I would say, yeah. uh, no rule, unauthorized rule, no boundaries with authority. That kind of stuff would be the anarchy. Okay, so breaking the rules, overstepping the rules, okay. overcoming the rules. Okay. So contrast that to hierarchy where there is a clear ruler. Yeah, clear order of authority, okay. structure of authority. Okay. has nothing to do with worth, value, or anything. It's just humanity is ordered according to, uh, and this is where, you know, this is this is where that Trinitarian conversation that mm-hmm. you're having with another person, mm-hmm. this is where this comes, think about how the Trinity functions. Yeah. So there's a great, I mean, and it's, and oftentimes Trinitarian thinking helps us. So think about how the Trinity works among within itself. Yeah. God in three persons. Mm-hmm. Do they all have the same role? No. Do they all have the same worth and value and divinity? Yes. So that's sort of what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sad. You know, it's sad because as soon as we move away from the Trinity, now all of a sudden in the church, oftentimes the going thought is, oh, because so-and-so is in leadership and I'm not, they're more important than I am. No, yeah. that's not it at all. It has nothing to do with it. So are you going to spend any time on biblical manhood or womanhood or that comp? We would use the term, the maybe the I don't know, church term would be complementarian. We spend any time the we'll, we'll, we'll only we'll only touch on um, we'll only touch on uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, again, the differences uh, between the sexes from the Genesis account. OK. Then the following week, Lord willing, we dive into that Timothy passage, which is so hard. Mm-hmm. Probably the most important New Testament passage for how the genders function in church. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and so it's I certainly just, complimentary, right? And that, so I ask just because I think that is a to get back to this question and bring it back around mm-hmm. is hierarchy versus anarchy, mm-hmm. um, where hierarchy you have a rule and authority in place mm-hmm. and how I guess sometimes that, I mean, it clearly rubs some people the wrong way where they want everyone to be on the exact same plane. Mm -hmm. But when you see it working well, there's, I mean, when I've been behind a good leader, I want to follow him. Mm -hmm. And there's a, it's a beautiful, it's a, it's an awesome thing. Just following a general into war, Mm -hmm. you know, a captain into a, Mm -hmm. to battle, Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. it is, soccer field, football Mm -hmm. field, whatever. Um, And it's the same way I think in marriage. And that's something I say often in premarital counseling, like that view of love and respect and submission. Um, the submission is often viewed very poorly. Of course. Right? Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's against everything we, we feel. Yeah. It just smacks of, you know, just abusive men. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have a husband 
who loves the Lord and serving you and loving you well, you, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a, a lady, but I would think that's the, you want not, that's an amazing thing. It has it's to a help. beautiful picture. It has to help. Um, and I know how difficult it is at my end. Yeah. Uh, to try to function well, according to Ephesians 5, it's just a constant battle. Oh, yeah. To, you know, to love like Christ loved the church is selfless. Yeah. And my old heart evidently is still selfish. Yeah. Yep. And so did he create us to show him off, to compliment him? I think to a Image degree. of God. Yeah. Image of God. Remember the statue. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's that comes from the standard uh, Hebrew lexicon. It's just mm-hmm. the, the definition. One of the definitions is think about what a statue does. How does it represent God? Mm-hmm. And in this case, we're the little statues, and we have an opportunity to represent the rule of God. Yeah. You know the statue God. I thought of? Statue of Liberty. Oh yeah. Like yeah. That's a that's yeah. got to be the biggest statue in our country. Yeah. It's a, or it, I mean, I don't know if you count like the Washington Monument or something yeah, like that. That would be a statue to a degree. But the Statue of Liberty stands for something. Yeah. Um, that's clear. And And that's what we are in the world. Right. That's why it's so critical in in our day to function like God created us, Mm -hmm. uh, and to do away with, and to blur the distinctions of male and female in our day is detrimental to the image of God Mm. first and foremost. Yeah. And then to blur the distinctions later on, even within the genders to Mm. blur those lines, according to Timothy, is also to bring reproach on uh, God's order. Mm. And that's why these things are critical. Mm. And there's all kinds of debates on how to read these texts. I just want us to read them and make sure that we're prepared for the conversations and also for the the doubts that creep in. Mm -hmm. Is our brand of Christianity valid anymore or something along those lines? Yeah. And this maybe is a topic for another day, but I just think it would be worthwhile to spend time on uh, the difference between biblical masculinity and American masculinity and biblical femininity and American femininity, because that's, we get so much of, uh, yeah. you talk about the air we breathe. We get yeah. so many messages about what it is yeah. to be a man or a woman yeah. that do not come from the Bible. And that's what I was trying to get at on Sunday when I said, you know, my struggles as a man are often, I struggle being a man like men in Maine grow up to be. <laughs> and that's not necessarily conducive to, loving your wife as Christ loved the church. So there's a lot about that masculinity that I need to continue to strip away so that I don't, you know, so they don't act like that kind of man. Right. Does it have to do with your beard? Not at all. I wish, I wish it did. (laughs) Not at all. Yeah. All right. Last question here for us. Um, Understanding that we should be showing grace to those outside of the church how should we who are inside the church handle situations with close family members or friends who are gay or getting married and or gay and getting married? Yeah. Uh, if you attend, are you agreeing? If you don't attend, are you not showing grace? Yeah. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, my take on it is, uh, you know, again, uh, if, if divided a couple of ways, if the if if we have someone who's a Christ follower who's struggling with a particular sin of any kind and they won't stop, we know what the scriptures requires the church to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5 again, which mm-hmm. you quoted earlier. Yep. So let's start there. If they're in the church, struggling with the sin, struggling to let go of it, digging their heels in, we know how to handle that. Mm-hmm. Anything other than that scenario, especially where we don't have jurisdiction in the person's life, if it's a family matter outside of the church, mm-hmm. my personal read on that is extend grace only. Mm-hmm. That uh, and I and I know there's so many difficult things. What if they profess to be Christ uh, to be Christians? Mm. What do you do? Yeah. I think you have a place to say 
to challenge that once. Mm -hmm. Just challenge it, but then drop it. Mm -hmm. Challenge it in love. Yeah, but just drop drop it it. and then drop it. The rest of your relationship, I believe, should be filled with grace Mm. because you don't know what God's going to do. And their morality, if their morality is going to destroy family relationships, then we're going to have a lot of destroyed family relationships because, frankly, we're filled with sin. And so I think it's important to divide those two in church versus out of church and with family type scenarios, which is so hard. Uh, to watch and, and to be a part of because you want desperately, you want your family to flourish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just keep extending the grace of God. Nothing will happen uh, with you challenging, challenging the morality of people who are living in sin, yeah. of any kind of sin. Mm-hmm. No, that's exactly where my unless, mind is unless, unless God has given you authority in their lives. Right. And um, yeah, it's tough, though. It's really hard. Yeah, that's yeah, good. That's like I said, that's my, where my mind is going. So I don't, I don't have anything to add. Um, good. Well, we got got through the questions here for today, and that was fun. It was. I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. Thanks Thank for joining you. us, yeah. and we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday. <laughs>